Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. All right, and welcome to our second Mishnah of Pirkei Avot. Shimon HaTzadik, Shimon the Righteous, Haya Mishyarei Knesset HaGedola, was among the members of the Great Assembly. Hu Haya Omer, he used to say, On three things does the world stand or depend. Al HaTorah, on Torah, Va'al HaAvodah, and on service, Va'al Gimilut Chasadim, and on acts of kindness. And as we dive into this very famous Mishnah, I think we should break it down a little bit first. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down um, and look at each of these things a little bit more. The idea of Gimilut Chasadim, of service and doing for others is something we'll return to. And Akiva, I'm going to ask you to talk about the uh, psychological and emotional benefits of doing for others. And let's go to Avodah. Avodah is usually translated as service of some kind, and that can, for some, mean religious service, service to God. And for others, it can mean actual work, that you must have some form of toiling in your life. Uh, and the first one is on Torah. And I think the question that we may want to address with this Mishnah is, are all three of these things really equal? Or, alternatively, are some of them more important than others? So when I think about Milut Chasadim and the importance of doing acts of kindness for others, you know, it's... It's one of those things where we always say you feel it feels better to do things for others than it does to do for yourself. And I think that a lot of times we don't necessarily understand what that means, A, until we get to be of a certain age, and B, until we're actually doing those things. And I think depending on who you are, it depends on who those people are that you enjoy doing things for. However, the fact is, is it probably starts with the enjoyment of doing things for friends and family and loved ones. And once we see the joy that those people have, the truth is it gives us joy. And it gives us a positive feeling to be able to do something for someone else. And as that continues to extend, I think that the more that... That feeling is infectious. It's an opportunity where you... A lot of people will comment that, well, I started helping out at this soup kitchen once a year, and then all of a sudden I found myself wanting to do more and more. I noticed that this was lacking, and this was lacking, and I wanted to help in this and that. And you just have these people who we see, they oftentimes are not just involved in one type of service, 
but in a multitude of service-based activities. And I think that exactly showcases that infectious nature of it. Those individuals generally have a high level of satisfaction and happiness involved in participating in those activities. I think that as people struggle with with feeling good about themselves, making others feel good shows them that they have the capacity to do that. And it kind of stresses the importance of giving back. The truth is is that we see this in even in in recovery groups, right? That's that's the 12th step is is service to your community, giving back. Um, and helping those who need help. And we see that that's an integral part of mutual support meetings and recovery groups is being able to give back. And it's those pieces, again, which remind us the gratitude that we can have for what we have because helping someone else, kindness reminds you that you have the capacity for kindness. And in times can also remind you that you may have more than you realize. So I think all those different pieces are where we can derive an important understanding of why Gmilur Chasadim is in there. As far as Avodah goes, service, um, I think that the service aspect, if we're considering any kind of spirituality, let's Let's take away the idea of specifically towards uh, who, what we determine to be God because others may, listening may have different feelings on that. And so I think it can expand out, though, to any kind of service in a spiritual way, strengthening your relationship with some kind of higher power, some kind of meaningful spiritual connection is not only important because it stresses to you that you're not alone. It reminds us that we have a certain level of responsibility towards others and towards ourselves, but also that there are things that are out of our control and things that are, we can't determine. And that spirituality, that faith, that grows from that, that trust that grows from that is an opportunity to believe that, quite frankly, there's a lot of things that happen that we don't understand, uh, a lot of terrible things. And not that we have to say, well, you know, that old adage of God has a plan or, you know, everything happens for a reason. None of that stuff that, quite frankly, is never helpful, but rather that the understanding that sometimes we have no understanding of what's going on. And that doesn't mean that there's no purpose. That doesn't mean that we're meant to understand the purpose. It just means that things happen. And if we have a relationship, a spiritual relationship with some kind of being that we can reflect upon and have a conversation with, then it gives us the opportunity to let some of that burden, that responsibility off of our shoulders because a lot of times the responsibilities that we try and carry are not ours to carry. And going in reverse order, Torah study. Before you get to Torah study, Akiva, you had mentioned the 12 steps 
and one of the, isn't one of them recognizing a higher power? Yes, yes, indeed. And so <clears throat> that seems to fit in here as well. The idea, as you said, of recognizing that and understanding that there are things outside of our control. So, absolutely. And it's not, you know, shouldn't be taken for granted that the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous were Bob Smith, a doctor, and Bill Wilson, a pastor. So, of course, there makes perfect sense that a lot of the doctrines for AA and subsequent recovery groups that have utilized a lot of those initial blueprints, so to speak, have a religious component. And again, it also, same idea as we were saying before, where that ability to understand that there are certain things that you have responsibility for and that you can't take control of, and other things that you have to let go control of because you don't actually have control over it. And that's where having that spiritual higher power is of value. So, but Avi, tell us a little bit from the rabbinical perspective about Avodah, because I'm sure there's overlap, but I'm sure there's also a lot of uniqueness. So, as I mentioned before, there's really two explanations. One is the idea, and they're interconnected, but one is the idea that Avodah is worship of God, right? Um, but the the more biblical view is that it is work. It is strenuous work, right? Um, in the Torah, the and later in the Haggadah, it is the uh, evil son, the Rasha, who says, Maha avodah hazot lachem. What is this work to you? What is this service to you? And so um, there are those who would like to suggest that this isn't even necessarily about holy work, but this is rather about industriousness, that it's important to actually have a job, that it is important to find a way to keep yourself engaged during the day. And in fact, the rabbis who wrote the Mishnah at that time were not simply rabbis who relied upon rabbying, as if that was a verb, for their income, but rather they all held, for the most part, other jobs as well. They were... Uh, water carriers, they were builders, they were salesmen, uh, and to that end, the idea of one having a job and not simply relying on the community for their income uh, is an important component to recognize here also. And so you have the dual component of both service to God and industriousness that exists within the concept of avodah. And later in Jewish history, that issue of industriousness plays itself out when many, many young students choose to sit and learn in yeshiva full-time as opposed to going and getting industrious work. Um, and the question becomes, is that really the ideal, or is the ideal to have a job and be industrious and then learn in the times that are available around your other responsibilities. Um, and making that time, making that time sacred and important as well, the time to learn, but having a job and having income. And so, 
I think it's important to look at both of these aspects and not simply just looking at it from a religious perspective. At this point, I think we're ready to move on to Torah. And while the definition of Torah can be very narrow or very broad, Torah can refer just to the five books of Moshe, or it can refer to everything that is in the realm of Jewish learning, I want to suggest that the, in, the idea of continued study is what is being recommended here. That it is the idea of continued study rather than feeling like you're done. And I think the Torah is a model of that because as we read each year, when we get to the end of the Torah, we only pause briefly before we begin again with Sefer Breshit. So it is a continuous cycle of learning and growing. And I think that's an important component to think about. Akiva, you want to enlighten us more about your understanding of Torah and how it would fit into this bigger picture? Well, Avi, I want to start off by thanking you for that wonderful plug for people to re-listen to our first year's worth of podcasts. Um, That being said, I absolutely agree with everything you've said. Um, And that idea of continual growth, that uh, continual maturation, learning something new, constantly honing your skill, right? Many of us work in, in a profession where either you are mandated to continually learn and, and get new education, or for those of us who maybe don't have that formal mandate, there's still a requirement because if you don't hone your craft and continually learn new skills, you fall out of the limelight. You fall behind. You know, a, a carpenter who is constantly working in the same way with the same tools and never learns any new skills doesn't stay in business as long as someone who is both perfecting their craft of their original skill set, but also learning new techniques, learning things that others have come up with and created because that's just the way that the world works. There's constant growth required and you either follow through and and keep up with it or unfortunately we fall behind. So absolutely, I think that continually learning things, I, I almost want to take it a step further just outside for a moment before we go back in to talk more about this to to talk about the fact that these three pieces we have Torah study which is perhaps importantly something that you do with yourself if it's Torah or if it's just in general learning something new it's a skill where you're growing yourself you're working on yourself and then you have Avodah which is either as we said physical labor, working, which I can't echo enough how important work is for not only um, life in general, but also your psychological well-being, being able to see that you can produce and you can provide and you can take care of and, and do something meaningful uh, gives so 
it gives such a significant positive sense of self and and just accomplishment and and then if it's the spiritual side where you're again accepting that there are things you can control things you can't control and giving you an opportunity to build a relationship with a higher power and then which is acts of kindness fellow towards fellow and it is it's that paramount trifecta uh, possibly quad facta of you know how do we how do we work for ourselves how do we grow in our spirituality and or our productivity and how do we increase the way and improve the way we treat each other um all of those are so important. So, Avi, I'm going to ask you the next question, which is, we have these three fundamental, paramount pieces on which the world stands. Um, are they equal-sized legs? So, when we're looking at this, I'm going to make the argument that they are not equal but I'm going to do it in the following way. I could suggest that Torah is most important because by learning Torah, you know what service to perform and you therefore know how to help people. Alternatively, I could suggest that service is most important because learning without taking action upon what you have learned means that the learning was useless. And so therefore, it is only through the avodah, through the service, that it becomes uh, important and that your learning becomes relevant. Um, furthermore, that you could say that gemilut chasadim is the most important because what ends up happening is that, again, it is actualization of the ideas that you've learned in learning Torah and by committing yourself to, uh, to the to the actions of God, right? So you're, you're looking at service as the component of relationship between human beings and other human beings, whereas Avodah is the relationship between human beings and God, and Torah is the instruction book that tells us how to do that. And so what I've essentially tried to say here is that you could look at any one of them as being the most important and being outsized in comparison to the other two. But I'm not so sure it's clear that any one of them is a clear winner. I'd like to add a potential confounder to that mix as well, because I love the way that you've kind of built upon that. And you know, I think one can argue that when we do acts of kindness for others, as I said before, it, it makes us feel good. And therefore, it brings into question this idea of altruism. Are we actually doing it because it helps others, or are we doing it because we then feel good because we've helped others, which could potentially bring you back to Al-HaTorah, where you feel good about you, and you want to grow more personally, and thus the cycle continues, which, again, we learn is why we reread the Torah over and over and over again. So for this week, 
the question around the Shabbos table should be pretty obvious. Looking at these three, Torah, Avodah, Gemilut Chasadim, which one do you believe is the most important and why? There's a little bonus component I wanted to add about Pirkei Avot as a whole, which is that as we go through this first chapter of Pirkei Avot, you're going to see that the people who speak, right, from the very first who were uh, the Anshaykhanes the Tagadola, the people of the Great Assembly, so they say three things. And then in the second Mishnah, it's Shimon HaTzadik, who was of the people of the Great Assembly, and he says three things. In the next Mishnah, it's Antiknis Ish Soho, who received it from Shimon HaTzadik. So he's going to say three things. So in each case, what we can see is that it is passing down the lineage from one to the next, just like we saw in the very first Mishnah. And in each case, they are going to share three things that are what they believe to be critical components to the moral being of a human. So, Avi, three things you say. I can't help but think about the fact that three things, three groups of individuals, the Kohanim, the Levim, and the Israel. is there any way that there's a correlation there? Possible, although unlikely. Um, more interesting to me is that there's a certain point in Jewish history where we stop seeing three as the number that rabbis often refer to, right? Which is interesting because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Akiva, but I believe there is a, a, a mental component to three. In other words, people can keep up to three things in their mind, or at least that's what I was taught when I was a teenager. Um, and that when we even try to remember larger things, we group them into three. So uh, when people talk about phone numbers, they'll do, you know, area code is three digits, the first three digits, and then a set of two and another set of two. Um, otherwise, it becomes a chunk, and then you're chunking pieces of three. But in any case, um, at a certain point, the rabbis stop using three because three becomes so directly connected to Christianity and the idea of the trilogy that they stop using three as a direct reference in any sort of numbering. Fascinating. However, Avi, I would point out that uh, perhaps you meant Trinity, not Trilogy. Trilogy is the Matrix Trilogy. Trinity is the character within the Matrix. Except that there are now four Matrix movies. We're ignoring the last one. <laughs>